World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey folks, producer Spencer here. I just wanted to let you know that we had some technical difficulties with the audio this morning, so we will be jumping right into Coach talking about an event, or the events that happened over this last weekend, uh, so I want to apologize for that audio issue. It was about five or ten minutes of his intro that we missed, uh, but yeah, so that's why we're going to jump right into it. Here we go. see that. I think I, I think I sent you that standalone picture of our group, didn't I? Yeah! <laughs> and you know what was really good about it? we got some new faces in there, man. Some new faces. Glenn, especially. Glenn, who just moves in from Texas, brings two people with him. Two people. And from what I can tell, they really enjoyed it, and they said, I'll be back. But really, what do you do? What, what do we do, folks? That, that continues to be the question that, that I ask myself every day. What do we do? What do we do? The men of Issachar, we want to be like the men of Issachar who understood the times in which they lived and knew what it was that Israel needed to do. And that continues to be, that continues to be the, the question that I have. Uh, Ohio Brett's in Alaska. Ohio Brett landed in Alaska today. He was up at, uh, he'd been traveling to all 50 states. You know, he wants to do that. So he was in Washington, and Washington's close to Alaska. So he jumped on the plane and Landed early this morning, so he's probably not joining us. But pray for Ohio Brett. He's really he's really closing in on that 50-state commitment that he made to do in one year. Alaska, I don't know how he's going to get to Hawaii, but I'm going with him when he goes to Hawaii. But uh, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff going on, man. Uh, God, I got a lot of stuff I want to share with you. Been, I've been doing some personal reflection. Now, before, I, before I get in, let's get Myra to pray us in. Then anybody has any comments or anything for the good of the group, and then uh, then uh, let me turn loose that line, let him roar a little bit here, okay? Myra, go ahead and pray us in this with her. Yes. Uh, good morning, Coach, and good morning, Huddle. I will be delighted to do so. Um, it is written, Romans 5 through 25. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring for fruit in, unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin taken occasion by the commandment, brought in me all manner of conspicuous, for without the law sin was dead. For Ooh. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, 
and I died. And the commandment. So law is not a bad thing, friends, because they teach us in Christianity don't not to be legalistic and all that stuff, right? The law is a good thing. The law is a schoolmaster that drives us to Christ. Understand that? The law is important. It's important. Oh, I'll get into it. Go ahead now, Myra. Yes, I will be happy to. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but seeing that I might appear sin. Working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is a spiritual, but I am carnal, so under sin. For the that law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Go ahead. Yes. For that which I do, I allow not for what I will, that I do, I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I will not, I consent unto the law. It is that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Amen. For I know that in me, dwelleth that is in my no flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good I, w- I will, I do not. But the evil which I will not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I will not. It is no more. I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I will do good, Evil is present with me, for I mm-hmm. delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's it. Let's stop right there, Mara. Pray sin. Pray sin. Oh, wretched man that I am. Yeah. Who will deliver me from this law? This body of death, who will deliver me from it? That's what we're going to talk about. Go ahead, Myra. Pray us in. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to Coach Dave Haddle, and we open our hearts to you. I unleash resurrection power, love, and joy to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So do you understand, Michelle and I were uh, having a, a discussion this morning already. Do you understand, folks, do you really, really, do we really understand the the battle between the carnal mind and the Holy Spirit. If we could ever get a hold of that and understand the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer the carnal mind, our lives would be so much easier. Because Michelle woke up this morning and she had some, uh, I love, I'm not telling stories on her. She had some concerns about, you know, life, right? You got concerns about life. And I said, I said to her, because this is where I, this is kind of how I live my life. I said, oh, don't worry, that ain't going to happen. That isn't going to happen. And I realized, you know, that for most of us, fear is the default position. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody say amen? For amen. the natural man, amen. fear amen. 
is the default position. That's why we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But see, we don't walk in that power of uh, the, the power of a, a sound mind. We don't walk. We we walk in the spirit of fear. Everything that happens, every time the phone rings. How many of you ever in the middle of the night, when the phone rang in the middle of the night, couldn't wait to answer it because you knew it was going to be good news? That never happens, does it? So, so that when the phone rings in the middle of the night, it's a default fear. It's a fear. Uh-oh, uh-oh, why is he calling me? Well, he may be calling you to give you a million dollars, but that never enters your mind, do you? Because somewhere, somewhere, somehow, some way, the enemy, that carnal man has crept in, and his default position is fear. It's fear. How many of you, when, when you approach areas of your life, Approach areas of your life saying, I can't wait to take this risk because it's going to open up so many doors for me. Or is your default position, oh, I can't take this risk. This might cost me everything. And see, what happens is our heart, which is deceitfully wicked above all things, who can know it? The mind of Christ has to somehow conquer that thought process. And we don't train ourselves to be able to do that. Now, I tell my wife, my my mom, from the time I was a little guy, my mom always said, you're just a cockeyed optimist. You're a cockeyed optimist. And I said, yeah, no kidding. There's no such thing as a, a, a half full bucket. It's getting ready to get refilled every time. That's the way. That's the way I live my life. My default position is always hope. It's all. I don't know why. I don't know why. But for most of us, our default position is always fear. What's this going to cost me? What am I going to lose? Rarely do we take an opportunity and step out and say, "Man, I'm going to take this risk because it's going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me." And one of the things that I did, I'm trying, I'm trying to help you here this morning. I'm not talking about me. I can only talk about me because I'm, I'm me. I don't live you, okay? I can't live you. <clears throat> my, I, th- I thought back at, in my own home with my own father. My dad was the most unrisky guy you would ever be around. If he, if something cost $5, and he only had $4.75, he would not, he wouldn't go find that other quarter. He would just say, oh, we can't, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. And as a result, we, I kind of call it that poverty mentality. A lot of people grow, who grew up in the 1930s know what I'm talking about, a poverty mentality. We can never afford it. We can't do that. We won't be able to pay our bills. We can't go on vacation. And by saying amen, know what I'm talking about? that were birthed with a poverty mentality. Most of us, Amen. we can never do it. Boom. And when, when you get born again, you have to overcome that idea of a poverty mentality. And the day that sky high, when we built our house right here, uh, when my son-in-law and my daughter bought their house first, some of you have been to my house, you know what it is. They're at the top of the hill. And when they bought the place at the top of the hill, I said, you know what? I'd like to have the place at the bottom of the hill. I'd like to, I'd like to buy it an acre off of you and build a house at the bottom of the hill because they had 15 acres. And they said, okay, that would be good. So they built their house. Michelle and I bought a, 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 an acre at the bottom and we built our house and we were perfectly content until some guy comes up and knocks on the door and knocks on the door and says, uh, Johnny just died and uh, we'd like you to have that property. So what? That 30 acres. Yeah, we want you to, we would like for you to have it. 
You know, you know who rose up inside of me? My dad. My dad rose up inside of me. How can we ever afford that? We'll never be able to pay. Those are the first. Why is it, folks? Why is it that's always the first thoughts that come to my mind? And I've told you this before, that the reason I was so adamant when when Sky High became available is that four days before that, my grandson, David, I was praying with him. He he came down the hill. He's four years old. And and I I would pray. I'd pray over him regularly. And one day, four days, one day, he says, Grampy, can I pray with you? For you, Grampy, can I pray for you? He's only four. I said, sure, David. And we switched seats and he got up behind me and put his hands on my head, just like I do on him. He's mimicking his Grampy. And then out of his little mouth came these words. I don't even know how he could articulate them because he's only four years old. And he said, uh, yeah, the Lord will open doors and you will walk through them. And something Ooh. shot my body. Now, this is before Sky High became available. This is before Sky High became available. And when that guy pulled in that driveway four days later and said, Johnny, uh, Johnny's passed and we would like you to have the property. Something went through me so supernatural. I can't even explain. Now, listen, I had that battle with Michelle. I had a battle with her. I'm not making fun of you, sweetie. Because what? Fear comes in. Fear. Who's going to clean it up? Who's going to take care of it? Who's going to, 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 who's going to? It's the natural default position that we as Christians have. We do. Why? Why do we have that position? Why? Now, I'm not talking about being cautious because there's wisdom in being cautious. That's not what I'm talking about. But when the Holy Spirit spoke through my grandson to me, he was speaking to me. I had a decision to make. Even though it didn't look, huh? I couldn't explain how I was going to get it. I couldn't explain where the money was going to come from. I couldn't explain any of it. But I heard what the Lord said to me. And from that day, I set my face like flint. And I said, I'm buying that damn thing. <laughs> I don't know why. Because you know why? My dad would have never done that. My dad would have never done that. He was cautious, fearful. My mom always wanted to open an A&W root beer stand. From I was, the time I was five years old, she, we had a nice property on the main drag there in Hebron. And my mom always wanted to open an A&W root beer stand. And she would tell my dad, she said, Frank, that was his name, Frank, if we open that root beer stand, we can, all of our kids can work in it. And they'll all have jobs. We'll all make money. And Oh, no. My dad. God, I'm not criticizing my dad. He's a product of what, what he grew up in. She couldn't get him to pull the hammer on that root beer stand. And I wonder today where the Dobbenmeyer clan would be if dad had opened up an A&W root beer stand. What, what would our family line be like if, we had done, if, he had done, if he had been able to overcome that fear that he's going to lose everything that he had? That's where we, folks, that's where most of us live our lives. The Lord said every place we put our feet, he's given unto us an inheritance. And I said, you know what? I'm buying sky high. Come hell or high water. I'm going to buy that property because I'm not going to do what my father did, block the gen- block the blessings to the next generation because of my own fears. Anybody Amen. picking up what I'm saying here today? Amen. Huh? Amen, Coach. Exactly. And you, think, and you think of all the great men. Uh, well, how did John Rockefeller start? How did the Kennedys start? How did, somebody took a risk. That's why they call it a risk because there is a risk. 
But our default position, we can't occupy, we can't take back territory, we can't reclaim this nation because we all look at the negative. How will we do it? Say, damn it, I don't know, but the Lord's going to do it through me, and I'm going to go for it till he stops me. We don't have that attitude, friends. None of us have that attitude. And I'm sitting around last night with those, those men who came, the 30 men or so who came, and that, that's, what, that's what's in my heart. I think, I'm thinking, you know, we're sitting here. We have all the power. We have all the power, all the authority. We sit here afraid. What are we going to do? Oh, what are we going to do? I'm going to sit here and wait for the IRS to come and get me. Is that what I'm going to do? Sit here and wait for the FBI to come and get me? Sit here and wait so that we get so clamped down I have no chance of fighting for freedom? Or am I going to step out and going to run the race and whatever happens, happens? I want to encourage you today, friends. I want to encourage you that we are sitting at the most unbelievable opportunity in the history of the world right now, right now. First of all, because it's right now. And the, the, the opportunities that lie before us. But see, if you don't think that we're going to be around here, that we're going to be all of a sudden jettisoned out of here, you ain't going to take any risk. You know what I would say? That'd be a reason to take more risk, wouldn't it? I ain't going to be here long anyway. Huh? I'm going to roll the dice. I'm not going to be here that long anyway. I'll roll the dice. That's what I think Jesus would do. In fact, that's what I think he did. Hey, folks, that boy rolled the dice, didn't he? Did that boy roll the dice? Hmm? And did he teach his disciples to roll the dice? Did we see all those guys in the Hebrews Faith Hall of Fame and Hebrews 11, did we see them roll the dice? Yeah. Well, see, we, we won't roll the dice because we're afraid we're going to get snake eyes. When we could get a 7-Eleven. Because you'll never get a 7 and you'll never get an 11 if you don't roll them dice. We've got to make a decision. And those of us who carry the name of Christ, we ought to be the greatest dice rollers, not in a gambling sense, but he's a God. He's a God of creation. He's a God of advance. He's not a God of squashing you. It's the enemy that does that. And when you step out in faith and you do it, folks, if you do what the Lord has called you to do, even if you get crushed in the process, it was the obedience. It was the obedience. That leads me to Psalm 1 because I couldn't get away with it. Couldn't get away from it all morning. Pull that up there. Michelle and I sat down yesterday, Sunday morning. She gets a little bit of my time on Sunday morning because normally I'm so, you know, you know what, what goes on, right? And we were reading, and I said, hey, open up Psalm 1. Open up Psalm 1. And I opened up Psalm 1, and I couldn't, I couldn't get past Psalm. I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get past the first sentence. Because you want to know why we're ineffective. You want to know why we're losing the race. You know want, want to know why we're not expanding the gospel. You want to know why things aren't. You want to know why your children are lost? It's right there in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Let me rephrase that. Blessed is the man that doesn't listen to the unsaved. Blessed is the man who doesn't listen to the unsaved. Amen. Now, I want you to stop right there. And I want you to ask yourself today, are you 
constantly, yes or no, walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You go to ungodly doctors, you go to ungodly teachers, you go to ungodly governments, you go everywhere you go, you go to the ungodly. And the Lord warned you right in the beginning that if you go and walk in the counsel of the ungodly, it ain't going to be good. And what do we do with our kids? We can't wait to put them in school so they can walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't have to say amen because I know I'm over. I know I'm hitting it, right? But there's three conditions that he warns us in Psalm 1. And I'm going through all of those and saying, geez, he criminy. There is our, our entire problem right here. We walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, we get advice from those who do not know the Lord. We listen to advice from those who do not know the Lord. We listen to unsaved doctors giving us demonic advice. Uh, pharmacia, yes or no? You, yeah, you're big boys and girls. Amen. Right? Huh? <laughs> huh? And we sit, we sit, we get sick, and the first thing you first, our default position when you get sick is, oh, 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 maybe I'm going to die here. You don't look at it as an opportunity for God to be God, for God to do a miracle. No, no, you walk in the council of the ungodly. You call your friends and say, oh, yeah, my, my son had that too. Oh, my God, it, it bothered him his, his whole life. He had to fight against it. Amen, yes or no, yes or no. And we walk Amen. in the council of the ungodly. And he said, if you do that, you ain't going to be blessed. But he said, if you don't walk in their council, you're going to be blessed. That's what it says right there. And then he says this, nor standing in the ways of sinners. I thought, Lord, standing in the way of sinners, what do you mean He said, yeah. Yeah, it's like a parade. You stand and you watch the parade of sinners come down and you give your approval to it. You stand in the way of the parade and you jump on board and you're all with his ungodly leaders and his ungodly. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in that way, I'm telling you. But hang out with those. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful and the scornful are those who laugh at your belief in Christ and the power of Christ. He says, if you want to be blessed, quit walking with the ungodly, quit walking and listening to the ungodly, taking advice from the ungodly, right? Quit hanging around those who are elbow deep in sin. And number three, quit denying the power of God. That's sitting in the seat of the scornful. Folks, if we took that first verse of Psalm 1 and put that into practice, most of our problems would disappear. Amen. I had somebody say to me the other day, say, Coach, I like listening to you. It was hard at first, but I like listening to you, Coach, because you always have something good to say. Time out. Hold your ears. No, I won't say it. No kidding. No kidding. You want me to have bad things to say? Is that what I want to do? She's going to get worse and worse and worse. And, well, gee, woe is me. Well, well, blessed is a man who doesn't take that kind of ungodly counsel. I don't believe it. I believe we're going over, not under. I believe we're going through, not around. But we gotta we have to we have to get back and understand the default position. I want to play something for you. It was all over me this morning. Spencer, it's number uh don't let the old man in. 
Because I get, I get, I tell you, I'm, uh, I was sitting there last night with all those wonderful guys that came and some new guys and some old guys. Can, can I tell you something though? Uh, makes me weary. I get weary. I get weary. I get weary because I, I, I sit around and say, guys, Don, we shouldn't be playing this bad. We shouldn't be playing this bad. And sometimes I say, you know what? I, I, uh, not really. This is the thought process that comes in, right? Coach, get, coach, just go, just go play golf. Take your wife and go out to the Grand Canyon. Just get, a, just get away from it, coach, because you, you ain't going to be able to do it. Ain't, ain't nothing going to happen. That's the enemy speaking, right, folks? So, listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying woe is me, okay? I'm not saying woe is me. That's not, what, that's not the point I'm making. And then I, uh, this morning I was reminded as I was sitting around kind of sucking on my thumb, wondering, okay, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to win this fight? How are we going to expand this kingdom? How are we going to, how are we going to wake up the churches? How are we going to wake up the pastors? How are we going to, how are we going to do it? 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 And I thought of, I thought of Toby Keith's song, Don't Let the Old Man In. My next birthday, I'm going to be 70 years old. In 10 years, I'll be 80. I'll be 80 years old. But you know what? I'll rest when I die. I ain't got time to rest now. Do you have time to rest? You look around. We saw it again last night. It's old men coming to these meetings. It's old guys that are coming to this meeting. We've lived in a culture and a society where for years and years and years we required our young men to die. I think it's time we require our old men to die. It's my turn now. It's my turn. My turn to give my life away. It's my turn. Because uh, unfortunately, the, the class that's coming behind us, they've been so indoctrinated and programmed and lost. Go ahead and play this, folks. Just listen to the words of this song. Hey, look, look. Hey, Dr. Paul, do me a favor. Don't let that old man in, all right? Don't, don't let that old man in. Because I, I get up every day, and I'm 15 inside. But the reality is my body's 70. And every day that old man wants to get inside me. That old man wants to lay on the couch and let somebody else do it. We got to fight it. We got to fight it. Go go ahead and play it. Go ahead and play that. Don't let the old man in I won't live me some more Can't leave it up to him No, sir He's knocking on my door The old man's knocking on my door And I knew all of my life That someday it would end Get up and go outside. Don't let the Don't old, let that old man, man in. Many moons I have lived. My body's weathered and worn. Ask yourself, how would you be if you didn't know the day? 
Try to love on your wife And stay close to your friends Toast each sundown with wine Don't let the old man Up on this horse, and you feel that cold, bitter wind. Look out your window and smile. Let him in. Don't let the old man in. Look out your window and smile. Don't let the old man in. Hey man, I'm gonna share this. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Huh? Don't let that old man in. Hey, don't let that naysayer in. Don't let that Mister Negative in. You have the choice every day to what degree of fullness you're gonna live your life, and what to, 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 to what degree of the Lord you're gonna make an impact every day, no matter how old you are. Don't let hey. that old man in. Hey, coach. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know. Um, that was written. Um, that was written about Clint Eastwood. He right. made his he made his last movie called Cry Macho at age ninety one. <laughs> there is still time for all of us to make a difference. Amen. I, look, <clears throat> I want my I want my fine I want my finest hours to be my last hours. That's what that's what I want, huh? And let's look. Oh man, thanks, Tracy. In order to have something that you've never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done. I'm going to say that again because <laughs> it went right over your head, right? You keep doing what you've always been doing, and you're going to keep getting what you always got. Amen. If you want to get something that you've never had, you're going to have to do something that you've never done. Amen, because it's not about you. Every day when I walk up there to sky high and it's a pain in the whatever, it's a pain in the heart. You know what I see? I see a legacy. Not a me. Not a Coach Dave legacy. But I see a tangible legacy that my children and my grandchildren are going to walk up there. And they're going to be talking for generations about what Grandpa Dave did. For generations. Grandpa Dave did this. Now, we do that in material things, don't we? What about spiritual things? Are you going to, at the end of your life, are, you, are your children going to look over and say, boy, my, my grandpa Dave, what a spiritual heritage he left. What are you leaving? What are you leaving in your community? You just go to church on Sunday and play the game and sing the songs and 
leave and have no impact at all? I'm really feeling this today, by the way. Really feeling it. Let me give you some good news real quick. I'm going to open it up. Uh, Judge Roy Moore just won $8.5 million. That's number number two. Do you guys know that? Huh? Yeah, court just awarded Judge Roy Moore. I think it, it, there it is. $8.2 million because they lied about him when he ran ran for Senate. Went through the courts and the courts said, yep, they, they lied about you. Senate, you're trying to have sex with 14-year-old girls. That's all made up. $8.2 million. Huh? Think that boy hadn't been through it? Think he hadn't been through it? It's like my, like my wife said the other day. She said, uh, my wife's feisty. She says, I don't want to hear the people complaining about their problems till they have them splashed all over the, the evening news in the front page of the newspaper. Don't talk to me about your problems till your warts become obvious to everybody. Made up warts often, fake warts, mud spots. God bless Judge Roy Moore. Come on in, Mel. Then, my, then uh, we'll go down through it. Then, then Reggie, go, 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 Mel. Good morning. Hey, I just wanted to go back to, I was thinking about what David said um, when he prayed for you, the prophetic words that he spoke over you. Um, You know, I think that young children are more in touch with their spiritual gifts, and maybe that's why um, they're after the children. My son had spiritual gifts, my oldest son, that I really didn't fully recognize because, you know, it's not taught in our churches at all to, to understand or to look for that. Looking back now, it was obvious and he used to talk a lot about superpowers and, you know, what, what superpower would you have, mom, if you could have a superpower when he was young? And I think that maybe that's because he did have a superpower when he was young. He had a spiritual gift. Um, now he's been targeted by the enemy and really kind of spoiled by the world. But I pray that his dormant spiritual gifts will be reactivated someday. Amen. Amen. Now, I'll stand with you on that. Huh? Wow, 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 wow. Reggie. I just have a quick word for you, Coach. In the ways of man, it's the most unlikely places where God works those amazing miracles and salvation. Look at Abraham. He was 99 years old, and Sarah, yep. how old was she? So then, those are encouraging things to me, to see the older generation of men step yeah. forward because the youth will be mesmerized in seeing what is this about. <laughs> so. You know, Reggie, somebody, one of the guys last night, I can't remember which one it was, and I'm paraphrasing it, but he said, uh, the sad truth is the older you are in the church, the less they have for you to do. And I thought, my, 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 is that ever true? Old men are seen as cranky. They don't, they're not seen as wi- full of wisdom. They're seen as cranky. Uh, what? Unmoving. Yeah, that's for sure. R.L. Burgess, come in, then Keith. Hey, good morning, Coach, and uh, God bless all you people. I have a question. How is God going to help us stomp out the stomp, the sh- shuts or shoots stoffel? This is out of control. Well, I, can I tell you why, RL? RL? Because in order for him to stomp it out, some of us are going to have to do something we've never done. That, that's the reality of it. And one of the focus we had at the meeting last night is how do we go get the pastors in the churches, or do we? 
And Pastor Bill Dunphy said something that was really, really profound. Are you guys listening to me? Because this applies to all 161 that are in the queue and the thousands that are listening elsewhere. Pastor Bill Dunphy said last night, we have to draft people. We have to draft people. It can no longer be, can you, hey, you want to come with me? You want to come with me? It now has to be, hey, you're coming with me. We need you. You're coming with me. We have to go draft people because of the condition of the American church. Men will not volunteer for martyrdom. And that's really what we're asking them to do. It's a martyrdom, maybe not a, maybe not a martyrdom unto death, but a martyrdom, a martyrdom of their comfortable life. And we have to go draft men. Say, the Lord needs you. We need you. Rather than offering it. Would you, hey, would you, would you like to come to a meeting? Not going to work. We got to go get them. That's one of the most profound things I think was said last night. We got to go. We got to go get them. We got to. We got to go recruit. All of us need to recruit. Keith, out in the blaze of His glory, whether seen or unseen. Amen, Keith. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna burn out or rust out, brother? Huh? I'm gonna burn out. I ain't gonna rust out. That's my take, Matt. Uh, a couple of points here, um, Dave. I'm glad you put that up about Roy Moore because ever since I heard that he had won the settlement means that uh, George Soros took uh, a couple million dollars out of his pocket and peeled the bills off and said, there you go, Democrats. You made it possible for us to do whatever we wanted to do for the last two years. And we'll do the same thing if we can screw somebody else over. Roy Moore should have been awarded the job. He should. They should have kicked out the Democrat that beat him and given him the job. You know what that would have done? That would have made candidates a little bit more honest about what they're doing. We didn't do anything. Yeah, we gave Roy Moore $8 million, which he deserves, but he also deserves that seat in the Senate. He does. The other, thing, the other point I want to bring up, and I don't want to take too long with this, but we're all wondering kind of what we should do. Well, number one is what we need to do is stop the message that is not in the Bible, that God loves everybody unconditionally. I listened to our our good friend Michael Voris once in a while, and he was on, uh, he put a a thing on his uh, webpage or whatever the other day that, that talked about the vote in Kansas where the right to life People actually won, or uh, won, not not no. They won, They lost the abortion issue. Fifty-seven to fifty-eight percent voted for abortion in Kansas, which is almost unbelievable. So Michael says he should. You know he says, you know what? What do we got? You know we're we're we got a problem here. Well, Michael, you're part of the problem because when he preaches his message at his conventions that he has. He talks quite a few times in each message about how God loves everybody unconditionally. Well, why not have an abortion? God's going to love you just as much if you have an abortion as if you don't have the abortion. What makes it different? Michael is preaching against himself. And we got preachers in the church preaching against themselves. And as long as we preach against ourselves, what happens? We lose. 
Delta Dot. So we got to change. We've got yep. to change and stop preaching that message and start preaching that you need to follow the commands that Jesus gives us, or we all lose. It's the That's fear it. of God that drives us to repentance. Good word there, Matt. That's right. Mark Mattingly, then Randy. Yeah, Coach, uh, this is a personal note. Um, David, the grandson, needs to be taught, taught about his part in that legacy. Um, because Sky High is like the uh, root beer stand of his generation. That's right. Um, That's right. And, and he needs to know that uh, he delivered the word from the Lord to you that confirmed, confirmed your move. Um, right. And uh, one point about Kansas, the ballot issue was worded in such a way that it was really confusing. And if you look into that and read that language, you're going to see that it was probably hard, hard to know whether you should vote yes or no. So there was intentional confusion there, and I believe the enemy was the author of that confusion. But you can check <laughs> that out and see what you think. Amen. Author of confusion, always. Thanks, Mark. Randy. Coach, I want to confirm what Pastor Bill Dunphy said about the draft. Uh, and about commanding, Coach, Jesus commanded. The apostles, they commanded. What, 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 do you, what do you do when you're a person in authority? You speak commands because people under, under submitted to authority, they need to be have things to do. So it's not wrong, Coach. This, this thing about commanding and about Jesus, he told Andrew and Peter, he looked at him, he said, follow me. He, he didn't ask them. He said, "Follow me, command." That's right. There's something about that. There's a, there's a, an authority in that coach. I, Pastor Bill, I want to just confirm that. That's he's right on. Amen. It's it's what he said to the disciples, right? Huh? He didn't go out and sit out there and have a sign to recruit. He went and got him. Said, "I want you, Uncle Sam. Wants you and wants you, wants you and wants you." We 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 need to do more of that quickly. If you could pull up number uh, pull up number three for me, there, Spence. This is another video, but it's worth uh, it's in it's in the same vein that we're in now. This is Alan Jackson. The older I get, go ahead and play that. The older I get. Or I think You only get a minute Better live while you're in it Cause it's gone in a blink And the older I get The truer it is It's the people you love Not the money and stuff That makes you rich and if they found a fountain of youth, I wouldn't drink a drop, and that's the truth. Funny how it feels, I'm just getting to my best years yet. The older I get, the fewer friends I have. But you don't need a lot when the ones that you've got always got your back and the older I get the better I am 
Knowing when to give and when to just not give a damn. Amen. And if they found a fountain of you, I wouldn't drink a drop. And that's the truth. Funny how it feels, I'm just getting to my best years yet. The older I get. The older I get. I love being the patriarch. I love being the patriarch. And if they came up, what did it say? If they found the fountain of youth, I wouldn't take a drink. I love where I am, the position I'm in. I don't drive down the road looking back over my shoulder, driving down the road looking in the rearview mirror. The older I get, the less I care what others think. We have to start acting like that. Joe Allen, come on in, and then Myra. Yeah, I took Carol for her birthday to see that. What what a reality. What a reality. It was uh, it was kind of hard to watch it. Yep. I can't think of another time in my life that I'd rather relive. I can't think of a one. I, I, I crawled in bed with <clears throat> crawled in bed last night with Michelle. Every every night when we get in bed, I hug her and just say, "Listen, if I <laughs> one of us isn't here tomorrow, it's been unbelievable. Forty years, forty-one years, however many years." I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't want to go back and be 35 again. I don't want to go back and be 40, 42. I don't, sometimes I wish I was on that football field in the middle of a, a, an intense game because I 
like the emotion of it, but I, I don't I don't want to go back and do that again. I'm content right where I am. I want to go down guns blazing. I want to go down with my boots on. I want to go down making a stand for what's right and wrong. I, listen, I don't care if my kids think I'm crazy. I don't care if my neighbors think I'm crazy. I don't care if my pastor thinks I'm crazy. I'm going I'm to tell you again, I don't care. I really don't care. That's liberty. That's freedom. <laughs> Amen, coach. <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but I don't give a damn if I am. I don't mean, I'm sorry. I got manners. I understand all that. Amen. But there's some things worth fighting for, and that means that we're going to have to fight. My recommending Judah. Yes, coach. In regard to what Reggie said and Randy and power and being older, Proverbs 24, 3 to 6. True wisdom a house is built, and by understanding, Understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and present riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by the wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counsels, there is safety. Hallelujah. Blessed, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who doesn't listen to ungodly counsel. Blessed is the man who doesn't listen to those who don't know the Lord. So important. Judah. Hey, Coach. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely wow. Obviously, uh, I wish I could have been with you guys this uh, last Sunday. Um, I was with you in uh, mind and spirit, but I will say this is that you, wherever you go, you pull a backdraft and <laughs> people adore you and love you. I was up, uh, obviously, um, at, uh, the reawaken America tour and everywhere we went, people were talking about coach Dave and, uh, your ministry and what you're doing. And uh, it was just an honor to be there, to be able to hear that. As you know, I, I uh, had an opportunity to be blessed to be around um, uh, Sheila Holm. And this weekend, wow. Absolutely wild. People's minds, the authority and power that people are starting to receive because of truth being unlocked and because the power and the, the, the movement of that water. You know, Sheila had mentioned... Uh, not too long ago, um, some things that Father had spoken to her that uh, really resonated to me. But I got a chance to live it out. Uh, we left the conference and had the, the gracious opportunity to go with uh, Robert and Jamie and uh, the, the girls and a whole bunch of people down to uh, Niagara Falls. Mm. We took the the mist ride um, down into under the under the yeah made of the, the mist. Falls. Yep. And Luke ten nineteen, behold, I have given you all authority to tread upon the serpents and the scorpions, and over gave you all power, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. And as yeah. I sat there watching the falls pour down upon us, he said, Nothing can stop what is coming. Mm-hmm. I have given you all the power and authority in you. 
in you, each and every one of you, if you just step forward in Christ, if you'll just step forward in Yahweh, if you just step forward in me, I will be your protector. And I will give you all the things that you need to live out the journey of my blessing. But uh, experiencing that, feeling that power, I just lifted up my hands right there in the middle of the falls and just said, thank you, Father, for your authority. Thank you for being able to just push that power into us and let us know that, you know what, we don't walk through this life alone. And that Holy Spirit, that weekend, it touched so many that you touched and you've lit the flame of other people. And um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your guys' ministry. Thank you for uh, Sheila Holmes and just the blessed opportunity to be able to see things. And uh, good golly, mighty Judd, things happen. Raw power there at Niagara Falls, isn't it, brother? Coming over, over those things. Oh. Raw power. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's what the Lord's given us, folks. He's given us all that power. By, by the way, Scientists call that potential energy. Do you have any idea of the potential energy in the 149 people in the queue right now? Any idea? The Bible says that where two or more are gathered, he said to talk about the power of agreement. As if two, if any two agree as a touching anything. So think of the multiplication of one and one touching the power of just two people. Think of the multiplication of three. And of six, and it's 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 not plus; it's multiple. I can't even say the word. It's multiplication. When I lock up with Jeff Klein, and then there's power there, and then Bill Dunphy shows up, and it doesn't just add a little bit more; it multiplies it. It multiplies it, and then Goslin shows up, and it multiplies it again. We haven't figured it out yet. See, we haven't figured it out. We we huddle in silos. And we don't take that power and multiply that power. Naomi, come on in then, Alan. Just because somebody's Christian doesn't mean that they're, they've got wise counsel. Sometimes they are just as Luciferian as the rest of them. And I've had plenty of those that I went to for counsel, and they were just as Luciferian. Because they're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, which we're told right in Psalm 1, don't do that, right? Folks, I want to, really. I want you to do a do a self evaluation today and ask yourself how often you turn to the ungodly for counsel. Just just ask yourself that. Is your doctor saved? You mean to tell me you go visit a doctor that's not saved, and you let him prescribe medicine for you, and he doesn't know the Lord? You deserve whatever happens to you. That's the way I read it, Alan. But hang on, real quick, Alan. Oh, go ahead. I'll get it to you. Go ahead, Alan. Hey, Coach, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine last night about you and how that all went down with Tony Spell. The, the Holy Ghost prompted me to call the church. I just looked it up. I Googled it. I called the church. Somebody answered the phone. I'm talking. They finally respond, and here was Tony Spell himself. I said, wait a minute. I said, is this Pastor Spell? He said, yes, sir. I said, you mean to tell me you don't have a secretary? He said, no, sir, I don't have one. And then uh, – Next thing happened, I called you and said, hey, is there any way you can get this crazy preacher on your show? And my, it was, what, Monday, Tuesday? That was a Friday. And Monday or Tuesday, bam, you got him on. And now here's Judge Roy Moore, who helped him out for free. Now he gets uh, 
big windfall from our wicked government. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Stephanie calls it cones of power, cones of energy, cones of energy. We have those cones of energy. Why are we letting the left, why are we letting the devils exercise the cones of energy? Dale, quickly. Brother Niagara Falls is nothing but a spigot when the Lord says, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, brother, the heavenly water flow of that dunamis power from above, mm. brother. It is incredibly powerful. It desires to come upon us, in us, and through us. Amen, brother. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do me a favor, will you? Hey, folks. Stop poor mouthing the Holy Spirit, will you? Will you stop doing that? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you start saying it and start believing it and start walking in it. I go back to my little, our little grandson, Declan, fearfully and wonderfully made in the hospital for 49 days. And everybody telling us, oh, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Said, you guys, you guys are full of crap. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. Whose report will you believe? And sadly, fear for most of us has become the default position. God bless you. See you tomorrow.